Former Los Angeles rock radio personalities Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita were looking for an outlet to continue to talk about their passions, radio and music. The radio landscape has changed so much over the years, and this podcast is their new avenue to discuss music, artists, media, and hopefully keep the spirit of radio alive. It's the Spirit of Radio podcast with your hosts, Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita. And now, here's Ken and Frankie. This is the Spirit of Radio podcast. I'm Frankie DeVita. I'm Ken Anthony. We are on episode number six. We're at six already, Frankie. We're at six. I'm so happy about that. And we have an awesome, amazing guest. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna tease it in just a second. But you uh, want to talk about Benstown first. I, I do. Yeah. Um, Benstown is where we are broadcasting from. We, are, uh, we do our podcast here all the time. Love the Benstown guys. And they have a really cool uh, thing for podcasters. You got to get in on this. You can make your job faster and easier with the Benstown podcast library. It's a secret weapon from your friends here at Benstown. Take your podcast game to the next level with an inspiring collection of world-class music beds, loops, sound effects. It's all there, custom curated by Benstown, and you can learn more at benstown.com slash podcast. And we're, uh, we want to thank our engineer, Tom, here at the Benstown Studios. Yay, thank you, Tom. Tom. Thank you, Tom. I was asking Tom if he had any kids uh, uh, before we started. He goes, I'm only 23. <laughs> that should not stop you. Um, well, I, I'm glad at 23 he doesn't. But <laughs> all right, so our guest today, we Ken and I are both huge Billy Joel fans. We've been Billy Joel fans for well, you're a little older than me. Uh, I saw Billy Joel for the first time opening for the Eagles, doing Piano Man in the early 70s in Berkeley. Wow! And he blew me away. So well, I, I go, I go back to the early 70s, even before Liberty joined the band. Who we will announce in just a second. Liberty DeVito. Yes. Hey, Liberty DeVito was Billy Joel's drummer uh, for 30 years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Liberty, you are a pivotal, integral part of this band. I mean, you helped create some of these biggest hits that we've all enjoyed uh, from Billy Joel over the years. Yes, actually, 23 of his 24 top 40 hits. That's I, amazing. I wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so this, the reason we're having you on is because you have this really cool book, a biography. It's called Liberty, Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness. And the foreword was written by Billy, which is great. He's, yeah. He's in on it. Um, but uh, I, I want to talk to you about... The the book is not about Billy. It's not a tell all or anything like that. It's really about you and your journey. Yes, that's what it's about. It's about how did uh, this people from Italy uh, come over to America, and then two generations later, one of their uh, offspring um, became uh, the drummer for the one of the most popular single artists ever. <laughs> you know how did that happen? Right, and it's journey. There's so many uh, YouTube clips of drummers showing you that you can do paradiddles and you can do all these kind of rudiments and stuff like that. You know, that didn't happen for me. Uh, I did it a totally different way. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of other drummers that have done it the same way I did it. And you're, you know, you're self-taught, right? Completely. I, I am self-taught. Yes, I am. Because the teacher didn't want to teach me how to play like <laughs> Ringo. So, Liberty, um, when did you but, start? When did you start playing? I know a lot of this is in the book, but for those who um, don't have the book in front of them, as we're doing this, um, yeah. When did you start playing, and wh why did you become interested in the drums? Well, it's funny because um, you know I always loved music. When I was like eight years old, I used to like mow lawns 
and um, take the money and go buy 45s. Uh, first record I ever bought was the Book of Loves by the Monotones. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I always loved music. And uh, later in my career, when, when after when Billy had already uh, achieved to, uh, success, I asked my dad. I said, "Why did you get me drums?" You know, because uh, a cousin of mine was selling his drums, and and um, he was buying a new set. So my dad bought them for me. I said, why did you get me drums? And he said, because they didn't make Prozac when you were a kid. <laughs> so, so oh. I, I, I was pretty, pretty uh, wild and they wanted to calm me down or put me behind something to get that energy out. Well, I tell you, um, so you started playing um, at what age? Um, well, uh, when I was in sixth grade, what, how old are you, 12? Something yeah, like so that. maybe we had the drums a couple months before that. Mm -hmm. And the uh, school band, and that's when the teacher told me that, that I would never do anything with the drums because I didn't couldn't do the buzz roll and the Star Spangled Banner. Put me on the bass drum. That was a drag. Wow. That's when you do something uh, is when someone tells you you can't do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I learned myself. <laughs> you know, when the Beatles came out, it was all over for me and, and a million other guys that play drums. Yeah, and, you know, uh, that's that's one of those pivotal moments, Liberty, and I've, you know, as many interviews as, as we've done, um, and as many musicians you talk to of a certain age, it's all about the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, where were you when Kennedy was shot? Where were you when they landed on the moon? Where were you? What were you doing when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show? You know, I mean, it changed a lot of lives. As a matter of fact, it changed my life so much that when I met Ringo, I said, uh, if it wasn't for you, Ringo, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And he said, well, at least you're not blaming me for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and before we move on, uh, about Ringo, as a drummer, it's interesting. He's never, um, a lot of times you talk to drummers that are going to talk about Neil Peart or like uh, if even farther back, Gene Krupa, of course. But I don't think sometimes he gets the credit he deserves as a drummer. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. He does not get the, the right amount of credit that he should have. I mean, just, just pick up any, anything like Ticket to Ride or Rain by the Beatles or one of my favorites, Rocky Raccoon. Mm. The way he introduces the drums in that song is amazing to me. I just love what he does. And um, he, he was, um, I've been called the songwriter's drummer and Ringo is the ultimate songwriter's drummer. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, Hey, he was in the Beatles. Yeah, but why? <laughs> why do you think he doesn't? Ringo, you're not very Ringo. You're not very good. Oh yeah, well I was in the Beatles. What can you say? <laughs> why do you think Liberty he doesn't get the credit he deserves? Is it because of Lennon and McCartney and just the the music? No, I I think it's more of of uh, young people like to see speed mm -hmm. and chop. You know, there's a lot of clinics, drum clinics, and when you go to a drum clinic, you see these guys that that uh, do what I call 20 minutes uh, worth of, you know, self-masturbation. And, and they're just <laughs> all, all over the drum set going crazy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, buddy, that has nothing to do with music. Mm -hmm. You know, what music. And that's not how these drummers make it. And I think every drummer fits in, in the slot that, that they were put in. Mm -hmm. I fit Billy Joel. I did. I fit really well with him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Larry Mullen fits great in U2. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you saw him by himself, he wouldn't be the greatest drummer in the world. But he's great when you see them with you too. When do you, Buddy, is the is the ultimate drummer to drummers, right? Right now, 
But if you took um, Larry Mullen and stuck him in a big band that Buddy Rich played with, mm -hmm. you would say, wow, that drum is really bad because he's not in his element. Also, though, if you took Buddy Rich and stuck him in U2, you would say, whoa, that guy overplays. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so yeah. it's where they're at, you know? So when you, when you hear music, does your ear instinctively go to the drums? Like, do you zone in on the drums every time you hear any kind of music? Well, I, I go, yes, I guess for the feel of the, of the record, you know, like, like I have um, a top five, maybe records that I, I call them the, the songs that I heard on the radio and I had to pull the car over to listen mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, I have five of those and, and it's probably because of the feel and the energy that the band had. You know, I say it in the book, I think a band is only as good as a drummer yeah. because I, I think that's where the, the, the feel happens. You know, you can have a great guitar player in a band, uh, but a terrible drummer, and it's like, mm, not good. You could have a, a great drummer, but not a good guitar player, but the band is like rocking, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to that end, Liberty, an, another drummer, um, and I actually read his book, uh, Charlie Watts, another one. Oh, yeah. Great drummer. Great drummer. He's in the Stones. Yeah. Another thing, what do you say? <laughs> Bill, Bill Rudd. Bill yeah. Rudd, mm -hmm. what can you say? Oh, he plays two and four. Boom, ka, boom, ka. Yeah, he's in ACDC. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, it's the 40th anniversary of uh, Back in Black is today. It was released wow. in 1980, 40 years ago. So if you look, go on the uh, internet today, everybody's talking about what a, an amazing hard rock album Back in Black was. And I'm sure you felt the same way. Uh, I did. It, it, when you hear when you heard it for the first time, it was like, whoa, that's excellent. I mean, my top five, have to be like um, um, Don't Stand So Close to Me by the Police mm. or, or, or Can't Stand Losing You, uh, uh, Roxanne. You know, there's, there's the police. My Sharona has to be one wow. of the... Wow. Oh, the, the drums at the beginning of that. Mm -hmm. oh. One greatest. The, the instrumental break, the drums are driving at home. Uh, and then there's um, the first time I ever heard um, I Shot the Sheriff by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Yeah. You know, I'd heard Eric Clapton's, and then somebody told me, they said, oh, you know, it's originally by this band from Jamaica, Bob Marley and the Whalers. And I was driving home from a gig late one night, and all of a sudden it came on the radio, and I had to pull the car over. It was like, oh, my God, I've never heard anything like that, mm. you know? And, and then there was, uh, Biodato did a version of 2001, and Billy Cobham is playing drums on that. And it's like, whoa, wow. what is going on there? You know, the uh, Liberty, uh, our last guest was uh, Jeff Pilson from Foreigner. And what was interesting in, in our conversation, we talked about uh, musicians and how much they love music. And what's yeah. funny about that is that people don't always think about that. But no. it, it's obvious you're doing this because of your love of music. And it's just always interesting to hear musicians talk about other musicians, who they love yeah. and who influences them. So who yeah. would be some of your influences outside of the Beatles and early on? As far as drums go? As you far know, as music, period, just influences. When I saw the Beatles, I, I, I loved Ringo, of course. But I, I really wanted to be Paul McCartney mm. because like in the front there singing, <laughs> he would shoot one in the band, you know, and everything like that. Um, I loved uh, a band called um, uh, Traffic. Oh, yeah. 
traffic. Steve mm-hmm. Winwood, uh, one of my favorite singers ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Capaldi, the drummer in traffic. Well, the I, low spark of no. High Heel Boys, what a song. Yeah, well, th- that was uh, actually. Uh, who played drums on that? I'm not Jim sure. Gordon. I'm not sure. I think Jim played drums on that one. Right. But um, um, Jim Capaldi, when uh, me and Billy had that common denominator that we really liked the same groups as we when we were growing up, and Traffic was one of them. Mm-hmm. And you can really hear the Traffic uh, pulse in like Stiletto and the and the Stranger. You know where I play with the Sixteens on the hi hat, mm-hmm. and Capaldi used to do that all the time with Traffic. You know, um, and then there was a uh, you know Steve Gadd, of course, uh, loved the way he plays. Uh, Bernard Purdy, big one for me. You know, uh, Roger Hawkins, who played uh, on all those um, Memphis records. You know, uh, I'll take you there. All of Aretha Franklin tunes, the, all that kind of stuff. I love that stuff. A wide, a very wide range. Casting yes. a wide net there. <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I listened to jazz, too. I love Joe Murillo. He's, uh, Joe Murillo is one of my favorite drummers. He played with Dave Brubeck, you know. that uh, He plays in odd times, but you would never know he's playing in odd times. He's yeah. so great. So you, you call yourself a um, songwriter's drummer. And yes. in Billy Joel's music, I was listening on the way here to, boy, some songs that I've loved, and I haven't heard them in a while. So I was listening, and, and really, uh, Billy's songwriting is a lot of, they are stories. They're like, there's a beginning, a middle, an end. There's, they are stories. And um, do you feel like because you guys came from the same area of Long Island, like, do you feel like that kind of bonded you in your storytelling? Yeah, I think it did. And I think that it, it led to a lot of our success. I think we were uh, a blue collar band because mm-hmm. we blew, we grew up in a, in a blue collar neighborhoods, you know, and we kind of stuck to those roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, as blue collar guys and yeah i think that was a lot of uh that led to a lot of our success was people could relate to it what, what billy was saying mm-hmm. you know the guy can write uh something in it takes him three minutes to say what i want to what's taking a lifetime for me to say mm-hmm. you know but i have to with the drums i have to compliment you know right. he'll come in just the way you are he'll play it on the piano and sing it and you go that's a great song i want to be on that record what am I going to do to get on that record? How am I not going to walk all over it? You know, sometimes it's really a, this simple thing you play that gets you on it. Right. You know? it it's funny that you mention um, a songwriter's drummer. I was telling Frankie earlier, um, we were talking earlier this week, I was telling her two of my favorite songwriters throughout rock and roll history have been Jackson Brown and Billy Joel yeah. for two very different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I, what I said to her is I think that Billy Joel writes songs for the suburbs. That's what I would say to her. He does. He definitely does. And, uh, you know, as you say, Jackson Brown, uh, Russ Kunkel was the, uh, was the drummer that played on, mm-hmm. on all those guys, all those, all those tunes. And um, what a gentleman he is. He's, he's one of the greatest guys in the world. And um, I remember being in, in Super's band. You know, it's, it, I mentioned in the book Super's Jamboree. Mm-hmm. I remember his band... And he played me uh, a Sweet Baby James album. Wow. And I was like, wow, this guy really is thinking different. You know, the fact that in Fire and Rain, he plays with brushes. Mm-hmm. With, you know, and then when I found out that, that when they were doing the run-through, he couldn't hear what they were doing. 
So instead of using sticks, he picked up the brushes, and then the, the producer said, "Yeah, that's it. that's the sound we want." You know, sometimes that's it happens. And isn't that what you did in Downeaster Alexa? You used the Downeaster Alexa was like Billy wanted a boat. You know, the sound of a boat mm-hmm. out in the North Atlantic. I'm telling you, know, you that song gives me chills. Oh, I great love song. it. That oh is a pull, that is a pull the car over mm. song for me. That's a great that's song. Bad. Yeah, and very, and very much a. <laughs> A, a song of the suburbs, like, you know, the, the, the whole story about it. It's just Yeah, amazing. the fishermen, you know, right. they work hard. So, I, so I, I have to say something. It's, it's, it may be a little bit awkward. And if your wife is listening, don't take it the wrong way. But you were, no, my, you were my first. And I have to say, you were my first drummer because my very first concert was Glass House's tour. Wow. The Forum, Los Angeles. Oh, wow. My first concert ever. Uh, yeah, well, you know, um, uh, not to disappoint you, but uh, I've had a <laughs> <laughs> sort of guys. <laughs> you were my first drummer. There you go. <laughs> um, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great. It was it. It was great, and it's funny that I. It ended up being my first concert because my my cousin took me. And I think it was because his date backed out on him, so he took me instead. <laughs> so. all right, all right. Well, that that was that was that was good. You know, that was um, that those were good shows. Those glass houses that, that tour. That was a good uh, album for me. I had I remember reading liner notes cover to cover, and yeah, that was a that was a one a pivotal album for me in in my young career. I want to go back to a couple uh, prior to that, Liberty. Um, because I have every single Billy Joel album. Um, what was interesting to me is how it was almost like the albums were somewhat concept in a certain aspect. Like The Stranger yeah. and 52nd Street are so much different. And then you have Innocent Man. I mean, it's just amazing how they all, you know, a lot of times you, a bands or, or artists can be, can be um, pigeonholed as sounding the same all the time. Yeah. It was always different. Where'd that come from? Well, the, the, the pigeonhole thing, yeah, that, 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 a lot of bands fall into that, and that's why their careers don't last uh, that long. But Billy, you know, it's funny that you, you say that, because I use that example as why Billy replaced certain band members, why Billy made certain decisions that he made, and why uh, eventually I was uh, out. Right. Because Billy needs to change. Mm. Billy needed to change. That's why the Turnstiles, he produced it himself. Turnstiles has great songs on it. Yes. Piano and Street Life Serenata, he had a producer in the studio with him, and he was using studio musicians. Mm-hmm. So he really wasn't having help, any help. You know what I mean? Like um, Guys would mention stuff, but they're not invested like we were invested, because yeah. we were the same band that was getting ready to go on the road with them. So the Stranger was kind of like the pop album that got us on. Well, that's just that one gives on. me chills. That album mm-hmm. is just absolutely incredible. Thank you. But um, and then Fifty Second Street, you know, has a jazz flair yes. to it. Mm-hmm. And what was next? Glass Houses. Glass was Houses. Next. Mm-hmm. That was just the band. Nobody, no overdubs, uh, no uh, uh, outside musicians. Pretty came rock an album, actually. Yeah. Just the band, the yes. Thing, the thing that has impressed me the most about each album is I really feel like the band evolved with the times, and so did the lyrics, so did the... I mean, it mm-hmm. just, everything evolved. It wasn't 
when you listen to some stuff on the later albums, like maybe Stormfront, and then you go back to The Stranger, it's it's just, you could just hear uh, hear how everything has evolved and how the musicianship has grown and matured and and people, how the people, how, how Billy's writing had matured. And it's yeah, just amazing. Well, well, that's, uh, you know, I, I think that is a compliment because uh, I, you, you're, you're actually saying that me and Billy matured because during the time <laughs> that other musicians came in, Mm-hmm. You know, like um, after Glass Houses, Richie Cannata left mm-hmm. the band, and um, but it was still Russell and 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 David Brown and myself and Doug Stegmaier. And then getting onto the to the Bridge album, there was uh, all those special guests came in. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, Innocent Man. You know, uh, some studio musicians came in and, and played certain parts on that too. And and then when you get to Stormfront. It's me and Billy and different guys now, you know? Yeah. And then River of Dreams then became Billy and a whole bunch of different guys. Yeah. It's, it's only one song that I play on, on, on River of Dreams, mm-hmm. which comes from a, a whole nother session that we did in, in a boathouse on, uh, on um, uh, Shelter Island. Well, then, yes, and, absolutely. It's a compliment to you and Billy. Well, thank you. <laughs> an, innocent, an innocent man. Um, let's go back to that for a second. That it's obvious that um, I, I know you mentioned it, and Billy that 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 I guess growing up in New York in the late fifties and early sixties, it has that feel. Innocent man. Yeah. Well, it was intended to have that feel. I mean, we actually would sit in the studio, and I would bring in forty fives, and we would play these forty fives, and mm-hmm. Billy would go, "Okay, I want to do it like that." Yeah, you know, like Innocent Man was like a drifter's tune. Town Girls, obviously, Mm -hmm. the four seasons. Mm -hmm. We even got laid down the piece of plywood on the floor and stomped on the floor and clapped our hands like the four seasons used to do. Wow. So, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was definitely a tip of the hat to the oldies, as where Nylon Curtain was kind of a tip of the hat to the Beatles. Absolutely. That's such, such a great story to hear that stuff. You know that, and I love how you went and talked about pretty much every song you played on, yeah. on all the albums you played on. I love that breakdown as a as a radio DJ. You know, you love. I love talking about that kind of artist info and things that it, that a listener wouldn't normally know. So I love that. And you just telling that story about how you stomped on a piece of plywood, like those unique things that you did just to create a sound that the listener is like, "Wow, that's so cool!" And you don't know that it's something that simple. But yeah, and so creative. Uh, some of that stuff was very simple, very simple. Um, there's a story in the book about the stiletto. We needed to, the, 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 mm-hmm. and I had an umbrella. It was raining out that day, and I had an umbrella with me. And when I pressed the button, it would click like wow. really well, you know. But when I finally I, we did tests, you know, we test the mic, test the mic, and when I finally got to do it, I pressed the button, and the umbrella just flew right off the holster. <laughs> <laughs> you now, uh, so it went back to the, the, you know, and glass houses, that smashing of the glass. Yeah. They must have smashed about 10, 15 panes of glass before they got the right one. <laughs> oh, and also, um, in moving out, the the car, it belongs yes. to Doug? Yep. Oh. Doug's the uh, 68 Corvette. Fantastic. I, I had a Panasonic tape recorder, you know, cassette recorder. And it had a long uh, cable on the on the microphone. I taped the microphone to the bumper, the rear bumper, right over the the muffler, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we just took off. That's great. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get back to like the book. You you wanted to write this book as um, a memoir. Just you wanted to leave something to your children. It just, and it evolved into more of a book. Yes. Um, when I started writing it, well, when I first started writing it, it was right after like when me and Billy split. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book about, about everything. <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, and I would start to write, then I'd put it away and then start to write again and put it away thinking, well, nobody wants to hear this. And do I really want to do that kind of book? No, mm-hmm. I don't do that kind of book. I'm going to take the high road here. And then my wife convinced me, she goes, you know what? If you get a publishing deal and you sell one book, so what? Your children have a history of what you did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, um, um, as I was writing it too, you know, hopefully with age, we get uh, smarter and wiser and more mature. And we look at the world in different, in a different way. Billy has a great song. The one I play on a river of dreams, it's called shades of gray. And when, when he talks about like, uh, um, everything's in black and white when seen through the vision of youth, but in time things change and you kind of question things and, and then you start to see things in gray, like, I'm not sure about that. Maybe, I don't know, you know. So I got older. As I got older, I tried to put myself in Billy's position for most of the things that happened. Why did he do it? You know, his name is on the marquee. He's got to write a new album uh, in some of the chapters there. He's got to write a new album, uh, 14 songs. Maybe three or four of them have to be top 40 hits. You know, he's playing piano. He's singing the songs. He's under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'm the drummer in the band going like, I'm really pissed off because we're going out in April instead of March on tour. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, wow, that I had a lot of nerve doing that because the man was definitely under a lot of pressure. How much time was there between the time you left and then when you met up with him earlier this year like how how what was the time frame? 2006 right that is is when you left and oh i left uh 2000 let's see i came back to new york to one two 2003 uh, i think it was the last time i played with him wow. 2003 so that was that was a long time is that uh, uh the um it says 30 years here um that's uh Close to that's that's incredible. The longest tenure of any musician with Billy. Yeah, it's actually uh, other than being um, the the son of Mr. and Mrs. Devito, I think it's the longest thing. I ever did. <laughs> the longest gig you've had. <laughs> I, I, I have children older than that too, but <laughs> so it must be great to. Um, I, I guess there was what maybe 10, 12 years that you guys didn't didn't uh, get together, and how did it all come back around? Well. Um, this uh, this gentleman, Andy Gilmartin, who manages my band, The Lords of 52nd Street. Uh, I know he was texting you back and forth, Frankie. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, and Elizabeth Weber, who was Billy's first wife and manager uh, for a while. Just the um, way you are. Yes. They um, got us inducted into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame the Billy, as the Billy Joel Band. Myself. Richie Cannata, Russell Jabbers, and Doug, and the late Doug Stegmeyer. Now, when they asked me if I wanted to go, I was still very upset about what happened. And I said, no, I, I'm not going. And um, 
I was convinced to go because I thought about the other guys and, you know, they were very excited about it. And I said, okay, I'll go. And then they asked us to play um, one, one song. So I sent somebody else to even do the sound check. I wasn't going to go. A friend of mine from the drum company I was endorsing at the time said to me, do you really want to go back there again? You know, I was starting to come out of it. And, and he's like, I'm going to go back there again to that music and all that kind of stuff again. I would turn it off when it came on the radio. Yeah. But um, I went back and instead of playing one song, the crowd went crazy when we did the one song. We ended up playing like four or five songs. And at the end, we looked at each other and said, you know, there's a lot of tribute bands making money doing Billy Joel stuff. We're the real guys. Why don't we do it? Yeah. So we got, uh, you know, other guys to fill in the spots in the band. You know, a great singer, piano player that does Billy's part. And um, we went out as the Lords of 52nd Street. The Lords of 52nd Street is what Phil Ramone called us on the, on the the in the credits of the 52nd Street album. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I found myself as I was playing the tunes and learning them again, falling in love with the music again. Yeah. And all I could think about was how the happy times that we had and how beautiful it was to make those, those songs and, and how people loved them. And so I had the music back, but I didn't have the guy, yeah. the guy that for 30 years, if I looked up while playing the drums live, he'd be looking at me for a cue or I'd be looking at him for something or in the studio you know, I'd be looking at him, where are we going with this song? And he'd be looking at me, I don't know, take me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, wh- I thought, let me reach out to him. And I sent him a, a, an email. And I told him, I said, that the drum f- and piano feud has to be over. We should end it. And he wrote me back right away. And he goes, yeah, I was a bit disappointed at the way it ended too. So, awesome. you know, we met. So you, so you had you, you were already writing this book. Was it almost complete at that point? Almost done. Because this oh, is what it, I think it was is the editing uh, phase of it. What I think is so amazing about that, and the fact that you met up with him, and then he agreed to write the forward of the book, is it? Is it? Do you feel like it kind of came full circle, and your story had a happy, happy ending? ending? Yeah. Oh, the story definitely has a happy ending. I mean. Uh, I, I, I get emails all the time from people who read the book and, and um, I did an interview with a, a news reporter uh, for, a, for a TV news mm-hmm. and she told me, she says, I read the book and um, I, I got to the end of the book and I, I started crying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and her husband came in and goes, why are you crying? She goes, I just finished the book. He says, isn't it about drums? <laughs> no, not. That's it's that's, about a journey. Yeah, yeah, it's about a journey of two guys. You know, it, it's almost like a war movie, but there was no fighting. You know, <laughs> don't get hurt. You know, it's funny, um, Liberty, uh, and seeing Billy uh, throughout the years. You know, obviously, the way he ends the show, don't take any shit from anybody. And yeah. uh, it sounds as though that you guys weren't taking any shit from each other for all those years. It was we just, yeah, we didn't, and and that was the problem, you know. Um, I mean, when when whatever it was that went down, and I won't get into what what went down because it's so that's fine. Down. Um, my big mistake was I should have stayed out in front of his house until he drove out his driveway and stopped him and said, "What happened?" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but. I let my Sicilian temper get the best of me. Yep. Mm. And 
I, you know what? <laughs> I had him. a Sicilian dad. I did. <laughs> yeah. My mom was Sicilian. You know, break him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, it, it's like, a, it's a story of life. People go through that all the time. And I think maybe that's what's so cool about the book beyond all the stories and the music is that uh, it's like life is too short, man. Yeah. yeah well, well, and, and also uh, the, the story that runs through it of to get to that point of the music that you hear, there was, you know, you take the, the, the road less traveled and yeah. sometimes that road is really, really dark. You know, and uh, not not too many. Uh, some guys don't make it out off that road. Yeah. You know, they, they. I was fortunate enough to be able to get off that road. So, what did Billy think of the book? Well, when I sent it to him, I, Billy Billy always read. I mean, I used to make fun of him. He used to read so much. He if he had no book, he'd read a, a matchbook cover, <laughs> <laughs> and I would just go put that down and just talk to me. You know, he read it like overnight. Wow. And he wrote, went, wow, this is really good. Aw. Yeah. What a great compliment. That's yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, we uh, do this Spirit of Radio podcast, and, and whether we're talking to uh, people in radio or musicians, what, what we always like to do is ask our guests about radio and what radio means to them. And it's interesting that you've already alluded to those five songs you pull off, because you know, radio's gone through some different incarnations, but tell, tell us what radio means to you and when you first started hearing the songs you were playing on on the radio, what that felt like. Well, the first song I ever heard me, myself play on the radio was from the Super Jamboree album. It was a great Long Island station called LIR. Oh, and WLIR, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. Yes, Dennis, Mac, Dennis McNamara mm -hmm. was there and, and, and all those DJs, and they played a song off the Super Jamboree album. And I freaked out. I could not, for, I can never forget what I felt like. Mm -hmm. And I was with a friend of mine. And um, after it was over, they played a Rolling Stones song after it. And my friend just looked at me and he said, well, at least you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. But I, I also think that, that um, I am still playing with the Lords of 52nd Street and we're still playing and, and Billy's still selling out Madison Square Garden because of classic radio, yeah. classic rock. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, that's what kept us alive. And now serious radio. Yes. Right. Oh, Billy Joel channel. Yeah. You know, so do, you, like, do you think uh, once this COVID thing is over and there's live music out there again, where, um, you know, you can go to a Madison Square Garden, you think there's ever uh, any kind of reunion possibility on stage? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, would you go? Would you go to the show? Oh, we'd oh, yeah, all go. Absolutely. I've seen I've seen you guys play. I've seen Billy Joel's oh, maybe I don't know, 6 times in my life. I've about seen 5 or 6. Um, yeah. you know, and it, it was what's really amazing Liberty is is seeing him as I mentioned at the start uh, of the podcast uh at, at the Berkeley Community Theater, it was just him basically on the piano doing Piano Man, opening for the Eagles. It was like yeah. 1973 or 74. And then to see him with the band, with you and, and everybody, um, it's just uh, just amazing going from that guy on the piano to these stadiums. Incredible. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing journey. You know, but talk about radio and 
I have another band called the Slim Kings, and we do all original material. And boy, oh boy, we cannot get arrested. <laughs> you know, wow. I'm radio play it. Um, you know, they're sticking with with things that that uh, they know. Record companies are afraid to do anything, even though everyone says this is so great, but they don't won't do anything. Yeah, you know, um, um, it, radio it gets kind of compartmentalized a little bit and um you know what have you done for me lately kind of thing taylor swift just put out an album yesterday uh yeah. and i'm not a huge fan of hers but uh everybody says it's phenomenal and um you know um i'm sure she'll do very very well that she <laughs> doesn't necessarily need our thinking uh, oh taylor but it's interesting how you know um the next best thing comes, and then when you compare yourself to somebody, and that's why it was so great about Billy is that, you know, oh, yeah, he's a great uh, singer, you know, piano player, everything, but all, because the albums were so different, you could never pigeonhole. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about, the, the evolution of the music. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you know, uh, I have friends over at um, the station in, in, in uh, New York City, um, Q one hundred four point three, right? Mm-hmm. And Maria Melito is one of my biggest fans. She's and uh, so she plays a lot of Billy. And it's funny because when she's playing the song on the radio, I'm texting her. And before me and Billy made up, I would text her and I go, "I hate this record. Why are you playing?" <laughs> you <know? laughs> and uh, Ken Dashow, I just did his uh, Breakfast with the Beatles uh, show that he does. Oh uh, yeah, you know. But uh, but outside that. They can't do anything else. You know, yeah. like I, I say, can you play Slim Kings on there? No, you can't do it. You know, yeah. Where, hey, like LIR, they go, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Where do you want to play? You know, yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. What, what are some of your favorite um, songs that you played on live in, in performance? Some of you, your favorite you ones, Billy Joe songs. Yeah. My live song to play? Yeah. The last one. we'll call it a night boys (laughs) oh my gosh that's funny you know about like scenes from an italian restaurant that's that's just got to be that's like three songs in one yeah it is it is three songs in one as a matter of fact when we first started playing it we just did the brenda and eddie part and then he wrote the stuff around it Mm. yeah it was a great song unbelievable wow go ahead there's a lot of good ones. I mean, uh, I like to play Until the Night. You know, I used to love to play that one. Um, you know which ones are the challenge? Uh, like, I Go to Extremes was was a challenge, drumming-wise, because it starts right from the get-go and keeps going all the way to the end. Yeah. See, the restaurant has a break. You can relax for a minute. You yeah. know, until the break, you can relax for a minute, you know. But Extremes... And Miami 2017, when you start, you don't stop until the end. Wow. Well, and o- only the good die young is pretty. Um, yes. That's, it's pretty consistent with the, the drumming. And, and uh, I love that song. I think that song, it really hit me in a way because I was a Catholic schoolgirl and I was, a oh. rule, I was not a rule breaker. So I think that song made me date some bad boys. <laughs> 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 uh, I was like, I don't think I'm having any fun. Uh, Davida is speaking to Davido right yeah. now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well. So I have a, I have an interesting question for you. So if there was a movie made about the Billy Joel band, who would you want to play you? 
Oh, Robert De Niro, of course. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's perfect. And, you know, it'd be like it'd be like they'd be in the studio, and uh, you know, the Billy character would say something to uh, the the drummer, and then and and you need, hey Billy, come over here. I'm gonna smack you in the face, right? <laughs> Hey, Billy, you talking to me? <laughs> hey, what do you think this is, Billy? Come on. Oh, man. Oh, that's oh, great. Gosh. Well, we are so happy that you joined us for this uh, sixth episode of the Spirit of Radio podcast. Um, the book is great. I'm, I'm not even quite through the whole thing yet, but I'm just, I love the backstory of your family coming over from Italy. Yeah. My family story is the, the same. And my father grew up in Brooklyn also. And um, one more interesting thing, uh, you they tried to ring you into the mafia, right? Didn't they try yeah. to? Because they tried to do that with my dad. Oh, yeah. Well, well, in the, in the book, I, I talk about my dad, you know, like he wanted to be a career criminal. That's what he wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, grew up on the same block as Murder Incorporated. Wow. Lived. Wow, and you know, that was his dream, and then he became a New York City policeman. <laughs> he went complete opposite way. <laughs> yeah, but he still a criminal when he was a cop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Well, the book, I love it. It's so much fun, and there's some great pictures in here. And I love how you um, you break down the drum part for yourself, what drumming is to you throughout the book. Yeah, my um, savior, drumming. Yeah, um, so. What's next, Liberty? Yeah. I mean, I've, you got this book. Uh, it, it's too bad that with COVID, we did a um, a podcast with uh, Lou Brutus, who's nationally syndicated. He had just had a book coming out, and he was telling yep. us, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go on this book tour, and then COVID just screwed it all up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a big plans, like, uh, to go to the cutting room in New York City with a book release, and, and the, my bands were going to play, and... You know, so many people in the book that could have come up and read their part. You know, yeah. Um, but what but are you? That, what are, what are you going to be doing? I guess a lot of virtual things, and uh, you know, you, didn't you just play well, at a drive-in? We just played at a drive-in. Yes, we actually got rained out. We did. We we were fortunate enough to do a Beatles set. We you know we played Billy Joel songs, but we only played for thirty-five minutes. Wow. You know, wow. same amount of time the Beatles played. <laughs> but um. <laughs> you know, People always ask me, they go, you know, you played on these, all these hit records, Grammys, all kinds of things like this, and now you wrote a book. What are you going to do next? Well, I'm going to cure this virus. That's what awesome. I'm working on. Oh, man. We're all for it. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, really uh, very unprecedented in all of our lifetimes, you know. And, 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 and I'm looking at um, stats that saying, you know, live concerts might not come back till 2021, 2022. It might be a while. No, 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 no. I, I, I can't. That can't be. I, I just, every morning I wake up and think I'm going to hear the news like, we found a vaccine. We yeah. got it. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then go out. But I think once they do open the doors to concerts, man, it's going to be flooded. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah. 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 They say, uh, they say that if you go to a couple of concerts a month, it extends your life. Uh. <laughs> I know. Jeez. I, I I can tell. I mean, I'm I'm already climbing the walls for yeah. some live music. It's just. Uh, I mean, I There's nothing like probably, it. I probably do seven concerts a year, maybe yeah. more. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to to not. And I uh, I play with 
with people. I don't do drum solos. I need to play with people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll sit down at this drum set here and I'll stop playing for two minutes. And I'll go, this sucks, man. Yeah. I need to play with. Have you ever put on a, a, a record, a, a Billy Joel record and played <laughs> along with yourself? Like to see if you still can do it? <laughs> You know, because you're a woman, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, it was just, I, I mean, I think I would oh, do that. I don't know. that's funny. That's um, funny. Never a Billy Joel record. No. Right. I'll, not, you know, I'll just groove along to it. And then I'll get bored really fast, yeah. you know? Well, well, thank God for uh, for technology that we can at least interview you and see you and yes. be able to talk to you about the book, which is available on at HudsonMusic.com. And yes. it's now on Amazon too, right? Yes, it is. Amazon's kind of backlogged, uh, you know, because of the pandemic. They have so many different places that they ship from, mm-hmm. and but the amount of people that can work in in one particular place, right? So, kind of like it's finally getting it together. Well, I got I ordered this through Hudson. I I, I didn't even yeah, wait. Quite- I couldn't wait. I had to get it on my own, and I ordered this through Hudson, and I got it. Uh, uh, I rush shipped it, got it in a couple of days, and they were pretty fast on it. So. Well, Liberty, we wish you all the, the best of success with the book. And like Frankie said, it would be really awesome someday to be able to see you playing live, whether it's with Billy or wherever. When you, yeah, make, where it out, when you make it out here to the West Coast, um, you know, just uh, all the best. Where are you in the West Coast? Where are you? We're Los Angeles. Oh, L.A. Oh, you got it bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we're getting what you guys had in New York, I guess, back in April or May. Uh, but it's yeah. it's even worse here. It's even worse yeah. here. So. Well, I think it opened up too soon. Yep. 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 Exactly. We agree. Yeah, we totally <laughs> well, agree. Know, it was a great time to put out a book. Everybody's home doing nothing. That's you know, right. um, if they if they go to the beach around here, they're, they're far away from other people. You get a book. You know. Are you going to do an audio book? Are you going to do an audio version of this? Well, that's what we're talking about, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm an audible listener. A lot of people are. A lot of people do the the uh, audio book while they're yeah. cooking or whatever they're doing. Then you all could right. then oh. you could read it all I'm over again. Over. Yeah, that's right. Well, huh? he said that I can read it all over again, but, but with your voice, <laughs> but with but, but with you telling the story. You can imagine I'm whispering in your ear. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Liberty, thank you so much for joining us on the Spirit of Radio podcast, episode six. And, um, you know, you ever have anything else you want to come be on the show about, whatever, let us know. Always great to have you back. Thank you, Liberty. Thank you. All right, all the best. One more more time, Liberty, Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness by Liberty DeVito, Amazon, and HudsonMusic.com. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Liberty. Uh, This is Ken Anthony. I'm Frankie DeVita. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, and we are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. And you can always email us at thespiritofradiopodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Radio Podcast. We'll have another episode coming soon. Please feel free to like, share, or comment. You can reach Ken and Frankie at the the Spirit of Radio podcast. Keeping the spirit of radio alive.